So hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I am chatting with writer-director Niall Owens. So his fantastic film Gateway is going to be opening the Indie Quirk Festival and he will have a screening on the 19th of September. First off, without giving too much away, tell us a little bit about what Gateway is about. Gateway is a psychological horror. Um, it's a, the easiest way to describe it is yeah, love, hate meets the shining. So it has that criminal element to the story. And then it, it also has a psychological horror element, which is the element I'm most interested in. I'm not a big fan of uh, gangster movies or gangster stories, that kind of thing, uh, unless they're period, you know? So that's kind of, that's what it's the gist of it really. Love, hate meets the shining. <laughs> So um, I there's, there's a bunch of different things. I'll go into the writing of it first, but I okay. definitely want to talk about the budget of it. So don't let me forget that okay. later. But just um, when did this start off as, as an idea? Like, when did you go, oh, I'd like to write this? Did you write it with the intention of shooting it? Or did you just have the idea and then decide to shoot it yourself? Well, what it was, the where Gateway came from was, it actually came from another uh, I had written another project that I was hoping to shoot and I had the location secured for it. Um, and I had a, a really great actor, a, um, a Scottish actor. He was, he's done a load of, a load of work. I won't say his name only because, you know, but he's a great actor. He's a big, he'd be well known. Um, and so I, I worked with him and I gave him the script for this feature I'd written and he, you know, he was really interested in it. Um, but unfortunately, like I, I got the location and we started getting bits in place, but it didn't work out ultimately with him, um, who I'd still love to work with. Um, so I had at this point, I still had the location and I had some money and I was like, I need to do something because I have this location that I can film in that where the, a lot of the film takes place. And, and that's so, the house it's set in, isn't it? That's yeah, the, yeah, it's the house where they go to. Um, so it was a case of, OK, I need a story. You know, and it, the writing process on gate on Gateway was the least, uh, what's the word, structured I've ever done. And it's weird because it works. Then you know, thankfully it works in the narrative sense in terms of the cut. Like when I did an assembly cut, the most rough, the roughest assembly cut, I could see. Yeah, you know, the story's there. So I got all the beats. Um, and then it was just a case of finessing. But the writing was messy. You know, sixty pages, add another five, add another ten. It wasn't the way I'd usually written stuff, but it kind of worked because the, um, you know, it was a, like a layering process. So I started out with, the, let's say, if you want to call it the, the horror aspect of the story. I kind of started with that. And then I needed a, a mechanism for it, you know, of, of how do you get these characters into this situation where it feels uh, tangible and it feels honest uh, and I really didn't want to do the whole, I didn't want to do the house in the middle of nowhere or a story where it's set in the middle of nowhere and remove people from uh, the safety of, if you want to call it urban life. So I had a friend who's, um, who's in the police, the, uh, he's in the, he's a guard basically. And he told me about a, a thing, which I won't go into only because it might give away yeah, the story. Bit, yeah. um, but a very common thing that happens now around Cork um, uh, in terms of uh, uh, drugs and, that kind of fed into tying in with the, their motivations in terms of the characters, what they're doing, and then ultimately what happens to them. And they're all kind of, it's woven together where it feels honest and it feels like it's not just, let's go here and then this happens and why are we here? And, you know, 
and it's a nice sort of um, metaphor to someone who and it, this isn't a spoiler because he's He's, he's suffering from this uh, haunting sort of sleep paralysis moment in the very, very opening scene. So I'm not giving yeah. too much away. Yeah, no, but, you know, it shows that kind of haunting of, of a person and, and it draws those parallels of yeah. that kind of thriller element um, with, you know, the, the kind of pressures on on people in, in that world and, yeah. and, and that kind of, yeah, that, that kind of societal peer pressure that they're under, and it it does draw those parallels and 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 add that lev- layer of tension to it, which is which makes it a really interesting watch and very tense as well. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a good it, like there's a great dynamic between the lads, and one of the things that kind of one of the things that I really liked about the main character Mike, uh, played by Timmy Creed, is that he's involved in this criminal enterprise, but you know, there's he's still a human being. They're all still people, and they don't have to be. Um, they're not bad all the time they're just they do a thing that's illegal so he is dealing with uh, mike's dealing with trauma um the specifics of the trauma will be you know are revealed in the story but yeah he's dealing with uh, something that's happened be it you know him being involved or not being involved and i really wanted to explore that like that for me is the story that's what i was most interested in the interesting dynamic of of um toxic male group friendships i think and yeah. that's really that's really evident of you know like you have this sort of uh malevolent uh alpha sort of haranguing the group and then you yeah. know a, a bunch of of different kind of intergroup politics although it's it's like it's very it's very kind of deftly written um but it, it is there you know like it's just yeah, thank you. touched upon the subtleties there like and i think that's nice and that felt when you're watching it even though you know the world is is these man things are happening in it it, it adds that layer of of kind of con- convinces you as a watcher to and gets you emotionally involved which which i enjoyed watching because you know like i think sometimes people are sort of um oh what's the word they're sort of cartoonized yeah cartoonish yeah. or whatever but i'm like even the dynamics there you you understand everyone's motivations even though there's a lot of characters and and even though they're involved in another task which i think is is good writing like it's and it's great to watch it was like it was it was very important to me that it was um as real as it could be i didn't want to glorify nor did i want to i didn't want too much swearing like when swearing happens it, you know it's an important thing to me like it's swearing should be a tool utilized to convey a point not just a constant barrage of, of, of curse words and like even things like that and even from a performance standpoint um like i had very gateway was not really a collaboration gateway was a dictatorship and the reason being is that i needed like being my first feature um and as a director all you have like all you have is your confidence in yourself uh, no matter who you, yeah all you've got all you've got is that confidence and the thing is i needed to know that I was making the right decisions and that be it if they were the wrong like if it was all done at the end and it was terrible at least I'd know that I made those decisions and they were bad decisions and you can learn from it and grow as a storyteller so I didn't want that ambiguity of kind of going oh was that my idea or someone else's and not from a egotistical standpoint more so so I, I, I could trust myself more basically and so from a performance standpoint to get that kind of real world feel i just told them all you know clint eastwood clint eastwood was the note go watch clint eastwood he does nothing except when he's talking and even then doesn't physically move that much doesn't move his face that much no big movements everything just super flat 
and they did and it kind of it lends itself to the dialogue and interactions because when it's when it's tense it's more palpable because they're not shouting all the time and being tough and aggressive it's it's more you know honest or not honest is the wrong word more real so when you put this together again quite quickly that's the very impressive did you always have a clear idea of what was going to happen even as you were writing towards it or did you find your way as you were going no, I, I would have, like, the script would have been done, um, I think, about two two weeks out from shooting. It was a very, com- it was a very compacted process. Wow. Yeah, um, because, like, once, once the other project had kind of gone by the wayside, I had a window where I had people interested and available, and it was like, right, I need to make this happen. Um, so I kind of just launched into the script, and what I would do is I'd meet up with them, like two two friends of mine who, uh, who were in the film. Um, and basically they're- just, um, just, just out of curiosity, I just want to get a picture as you're describing this. Mm-hmm. Um, how how long was the shoot? The shoot was, uh, the initial block was 12 days and then we did three blocks of two days, I think in pickups um, for just stuff we couldn't get at the time because of, because of time constraints. So 12, 12 days straight was the initial shooting block. Um, and I think that was more appealing for trying to get folks to, to do something on a low, no budget is to say, listen, you know, we just go straight through, get it done and you can get back to, you know, making money, um, working. Um, but yeah, so the gateway process, it was very compacted um, and the writing process, like it was done two weeks out. And then it was a case of um, the story really didn't change from then to now, you know, which is one of the things I'm most proud of is that, like you, if you watch the film and then read the script, the exact same thing. There's, there's been no tweaks to fix the narrative. Um, there have been things added purely because, like I showed it to a, a friend of mine who's a producer, and she said, "Listen, we need to know a little earlier what they're doing." And I was like, "That's a very good point." So I shot a scene that happens at the start that kind of establishes very early on what this group is up to, and it's purely kind of like so the audience can move on to the next part of the story and not be wondering, but. It's the exact same script I wrote, which is what I'm super happy about. I didn't have to go, let's change this to make this work because it's not quite working, you know. Um, and that's a challenge every filmmaker faces. You know, it's not, you know, you, you're always existing in that space of not knowing as you're shooting if it's going to work and if it conveys what you want it to, you know. Um, mm, very interesting. So your actors, tell me about the casting process then. So how many actors, like, I know, I, Jesus, lines are hard. Were, were they like, okay, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go with the flow. Or are they like, oh my God, because it's script, man. I need to learn my lines. Um, well, the, the casting process was great because I, I wrote a lot of it with actors in mind. So I would have already known who was playing, who I wanted. And then it was just a case of getting them to do it, you know, asking them to do it. Um, the group, like the main core group in the story, um, they would have been very much set from when I wrote it. I would have known who was playing who. Uh, the two two actors that were recommend, recommended to me were Lawrence Uban Williams and uh, Fiona Hardy, and they came in from England. And uh, Timmy actually had studied with them um, in in Oxford, if I'm not mistaken. And he recommended both of them, and I, I I trusted Timmy, so I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And I talked to them both, and they're superb performers. You know, um, they're really excellent actors. So. Most parts I'd written with someone in mind, and then other parts, it was a little more of a kind of, not so much a search, but a very quick discovery. Like Ryan um, was, I had Ryan in mind, and then I talked to the makeup artist, Stephanie Kavanagh, and I was kind of saying, I'm not, I'm trying to 
I'm trying to figure who I cast for this. And she was like, oh, I just did a music video with Ryan. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I, I was just thinking of Ryan because I'd worked with him before and he's really intense and he's just a brilliant actor. So I was like, okay, I'll ask Ryan. And yeah, he did it. And I was, yeah, I was delighted because he's such a, he's such a performer, uh, such a brilliant actor. Um, so yeah, it, to be honest with you, the whole, like the whole process from start to finish. And when I say finish, I mean production and all that. Like we're still technically finishing it. But from the shooting point of view, very very um easy it's a, it's actually like intense and a lot to do but i never felt stressed or pressured i cried the first day the first day of filming i went home and cried because it didn't go well and i was very close to cancelling the whole thing because i was like i can't do this and i'm not capable so i rang my mom talked to my mom and she um calmed me down told me get some sleep get up tomorrow and see how you feel and did that, got up the next day and back on the horse. And the rest of it was, thankfully, went super great. No problems. Um, really, I just loved it, you know? I just loved it. Intense, but it was what I wanted to do, you know? Now that That's fabulous. And I've been there, like, I know that feeling where you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, like, it's, you, you have so many resources that have to go at that time like mm-hmm. that just like it has to go out at that time and if things hold up the works like you're losing stuff and you don't know like at that stage if you <laughs> if everything went like that like you we wouldn't have a film so no yeah I can totally empathize with that it's a it's a it's a feeling I embrace like it's I it should always be a struggle I I believe as an uh, as a filmmaker it should always be a struggle and and, and the, the the struggle is where you learn about yourself. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's kind of like what I take most out of Gateway uh, for me personally is that like I produced it, I wrote it and I directed it. So like I go in, I get up in the morning, make sure breakfast inside for everybody, go in, open the location, get everybody in, um, then meet whoever was coming, then make sure lunch is getting picked up, then go back in direct, then finish the day on set, go in, uh, go back home and do the call sheets, call all the actors who come in the next day and make sure all they were, they were arriving okay. And the thing is like, it's hard, but like, that's that's where you learn that you can do these things, you know, that you can, you know, I can balance all these things. And they benefit you as a, uh, as a filmmaker um, because the more you know about yourself and your own capabilities, the better you are. So it's like, don't give me it easy. Like, I, I don't want it to be easy because if it's easy, I'm not going to learn anything you know um so i embrace it i love that i love the challenge and i think and i love the struggle um i'm sure yeah, you're, you're no stranger to sets and i'm sure you've seen it all go wrong in various um, <laughs> various that. iterations and as as a, i think that you've been on some pretty big sets as an ad and and your job is wrangling everyone along yeah, a lot of, a lot of everyone up, so yeah. say it's, it's a set like, of skills all right it like don't get me wrong that helps uh, massively and I did, um, I learned a lot watching people work um, in, in terms of like just communicating and framing shots and that kind of thing. Um, but there are always, there are always those gray areas where you've no experience and you just have to kind of, you, know, you go for it. Now, doing a lot of shorts, I mean, I produced all my own shorts as well. And that was a good learning curve. Um, and the feature, you know, yourself, a feature is just a bigger version of a short and there's just more things to go wrong. So you just kind of, you know, you prepare yourself that something might go sideways but you oh, you're also prepared just to deal with it when was the shoot the shoot would have been um we initially shot may 2018 
okay, grand, so you didn't have COVID no, like, no. on your back. No, um, we, we had finished all photography by the time COVID came around. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, what, what basically, what trend, what, how to put it? Money, basically, is why the, the film, the film would have been done sooner if I had money to pay people to, to, to post, you know, um, sound design. But it, it's definitely effect. worked out for the best. Because yeah, you're, you're getting to open the festival and see it in an actual cinema, cinema which people yeah. haven't been able to do for like nearly yeah. two years <laughs> yeah no i'm i think that and also the to be honest with you the time has benefited the film in terms of finessing it you know um because it's not like i showed it to a lot of people to get feedback um so i kind of i do a pass show it to somebody they come back with some notes um i think about those notes i show it to someone else see if their notes matched up so there was a lot of backwards and forwards because you you know how to you can get you know it's a tunnel vision as a filmmaker you have your idea and you see it through that and you miss something you can always miss something and especially I think when you have so many hats on because I think it's really distracting because I think if you're a writer and the director it's difficult it's it's slightly more difficult to be objective about the text like some people can just do that switch but I mean it, it is hard because you know you you were attached to the this certain idea and it you have to see a change and then when you're a producer you're also problem solving all the time which is a completely different even set of brain function skills so I can I can imagine that and then you know when you're looking at things you're looking at things from all those angles at the same time so I can only imagine I think when you when you look at it through the prism of what it is at the end of the day, it's entertainment. You know, now there's there's artistic merit to it. There's there's all these things with within that too. But at the end of the day, it's entertainment. It's to entertain the audience. And when you look at it through that, it's very easy then to make, for example, like a writing decision. You know, no, I'm not precious about any of the dialogue. You know, cut, 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 cut. If it if it doesn't need to be there, take it out. You know, if I don't like it, it's gone. If someone else doesn't like it and if I don't need it, gone. Um, once you can kind of divorce yourself from that preciousness, uh, it's much easier. You, I think the key really is the whole. And when I say the whole, it's the, over, it, the whole thing having a flow and a continuity and a tone. And that's the key, really, is that if you have that, if you manage that overall flow and tone and vibe, um, then you have something that's kind of self-contained. Whereas if you don't have that, you don't know what it is. You don't know what the tone of it is. And then you're trying to keep dialogue because you think it helps define what it is. And it's like, no, this is what it is. Everything else in there can be taken out as long as we get to the, to the end, you know? Um, and that, yeah, not precious about anything. Cut it all. You know, if you don't need it, cut it out. Terrible dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it is. I, that is being collaborative. Isn't yeah, it? it's just gone. I like <laughs> be when I, I suppose what I should what I should have I should have prefaced what I was saying with terms of collaboration. Like when it came to uh, cast and performance and improvising and in that kind of stuff, there was no there was no room for it until until I'd seen I, until I'd seen what I'd written. You know, because the thing is, like, if I turn up in the, if I turn up in the morning uh, as a director and I've written a scene and the actors come in and they say, okay, we got some ideas for changes. And, oh, yeah, great, well, let's change it. And you go in and you shoot the changes. But you've no way of knowing if what you work, wrote worked. So that means that means you start second-guessing your next scene because it's like, well, is that going to work? I mean, I changed the previous one, so I don't know if that would have worked. So my... my um, and did you work, shoot, for the most part, chronologically? Uh, yeah, as much as possible we shot chronologically. Um, my process was we go in I need to hear it as it's written 
Because if it's bad, well, then it makes me think about my next scene and do I'll need to fix that or I might need to have a look at it. Whereas if we go in and it works, it's like, well, no, that's good. We can try a version afterwards if we really want to. But I need to hear it um, to know if my decisions are right or wrong, basically. Because, um, yeah, you kind of, that will inform everything else as you go. Um, now, sometimes when someone come in with a great note and you've got to, you know, I'm not saying don't listen to them, but you just, you need to hear what you've written first. So that way you know if you're on the right track or not. Because all you've got, again, is that confidence. All you've got is that belief in yourself. And if you don't quite trust yourself, well, then you start making bad decisions. And I've done that in the past. I've not trusted my gut and I've made decisions and they were wrong. And I've kind of not paid for them, but, you know, I've had actors say to me, oh, I wish you shot the script I originally wrote and not made those changes. And you're like, you know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't have. But I didn't trust my gut. And I kind of, you know, I, I, you know that, that's, that was that lesson learned. Um, yeah. Sorry for waffling. No, no, no. It's all, it's all golden. Very, very interesting stuff. And what has been the leap from, you were, you were saying like a feature is a very, very long short, but what has been kind of the noticeable difference in between shooting a feature and a short, you know, like, is it, is it more difficult to keep track of story and be your own script editor? Is it, what would be your kind of main thing that you'd be like, actually, that's, that's the thing that I'd learned the most of in this process. That's a good question. Um, well, you see, I, I would almost say making a compelling, making a compelling short is harder than making a feature, I would think, because you've got less time. You've got to, you've got to get in more information and, and you've got to do it in a, in a way that feels honest and feels um, realistic. Um, so that's, there's a real, like, I, was, I would say I'm a decent short filmmaker not a great short filmmaker i know a lot of really great short filmmakers and they have that ability um so with with the feature i think the biggest learning curve in the feature really was um yeah that's a, that's a good question uh, i'd have to think about it like i i think the number, the one thing i took from the feature of overall up until this point uh, which again kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier was believing again in myself you know uh, believing in my decisions you know um, even from from the sound design to the grade it's all geared towards how I saw it day one so there's no deviation from when I first told Jeremy DP or one of the actors the story and how I saw it in my head there's no deviation from that. That's what it will be when it's done. And some folks, you know, like some, like my sound designer, Aaron, he's really tired, talented guy and, and he's, doing, he's doing some brilliant work in it. Um, but I know at times he sat back and he's kind of gone, what? You know, you want to do that? And, you're, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And I could be wrong. And I, I've said that to Aaron, like I could make this decision and it shows in the cinema and it's, it doesn't work. But that's on me. And I'll hold my hand up and say, yeah, I made a call and it was a bad one, you know, but I, and I learned from that. Um, so, but up until this point, everyone who's kind of watched the steps in terms of the, the passes, my executive producers, my writer, or sorry, my writer, my DP, I should say, and some of the cast, um, they're all super delighted because it's, it's, it's what was planned. It's what it's, it's, how it's always been described. And it has the vibe that we always set out for it to have, you know, like going I'm, all the way back to camera decisions. That I must say as well, like I know, uh, I didn't see the final final version but I the sound was was really excellent like it really um bulked the tension up 
yeah. in those pivotal moments that really like I, I did go God like that's that's really kind of because like it like it's difficult because again like you don't get to go oh I'm gonna have a big train going past really use that to jump because you're in one location like you are kind of dealing with these yeah with with that kind of but yet trying to express the that kind of the, the internal struggle yeah. sometimes of of the the protagonist so I yeah like it does do a really really good job it'll be different when you do like when you do watch it when you see the finished thing it'll actually sound different to what you've seen um <laughs> like we're I, I was up in Dublin yesterday with Darren and I think we're up as far as the end of reel three which is I think about 48 minutes in and we've made when I say fairly substantial changes more um kind of refining so that, that we've taken out some sounds and we've added in some sounds and we then refined it so it'll like it will sound it'll definitely sound different uh not massively but um again more within the tone the the this uh the vibe of the whole thing do you know what i mean um like the there was a a continuity of performance i wanted a continuity of camera i wanted a continuity of sound and a continuity of score so they 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 were they always had to be how, how i saw them and they're it kind of we're slowly moving now to that point where they're all lining up um and it's again it comes back to that thing of like it'll work or it won't you know mm-hmm. it's not um it's definitely going to be like a thing where it's 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 its own thing in the sense of like the decisions being made will will either you know they'll either help it be a better film or you know it won't be a better film but at least it'll still be its own thing you know i think <laughs> so I don't know. It's like a mystery. You don't know. I know. That's it. So it's people will get to see it at, at Indie Cork. So you're um very very involved with Indie Cork. So is it nice to yeah. is it nice to have that be a home first? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, my first the first thing I ever made was a, a documentary with Park English, who was uh, one of my executive producers and uh, camera operator, and that was the first thing I ever made. Uh, and it was screened at Cork Film Festival and it was Mechanigan that picked it. Um, so everything I've made subsequent to that has always shown either at Cork Film Festival or then Indie Cork. Um, and, you know, the cast and crew are like, there's a lot of them that are from Cork. Um, and it's, it was made here. So it's kind of, it, it only seems right. You know, like I could have, you, one can hold it back and aim for a different festival on an international stage, you know, but it wouldn't be, I don't think it'd be right, you know. It's just like I want to see it with everybody who worked in it, um, because we weren't able to do cast and crew. So, yeah, yeah, I can't wait for the screen in New York. My journey's been with them. A lot of the cast and crew in the movie, my journey's been with them. You know, I've worked with them several times on many different things, and that's what ultimately that's what makes it special. Like, um, I Park shot the first thing I did, which was the the documentary. And then he shot my first short, Torn. You know, Jer was a stills photographer on it. And Kevin, who plays Joe, is in everything I've made. Timmy is in most of what I've made. Joe Lyons, I mean, everybody on it I've worked with and I wanted to, it's about sharing the experience. You know what I mean? That's what, that's really like outside of the story of the movie itself. What matters to me most in terms of doing this is who you share with. And I want to be making movies with people that I want to be around and that, you know, they're my friends and we've gone on a journey together and they've grown as I've grown. Like Jer started out, Jer, the first thing Jer shot for me was a short film I did called Ink and I think it was the first thing he shot. And now he's done a feature with me and it looks great 
and he's super proud and he should be. And it's like, we got to do that journey together and hopefully we'll go on and do the next thing together. And, you know, we don't have to be super best friends. It's just that we had that journey, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's kind of what I look forward to most is being able to hopefully continue working with friends and, and seeing them grow as I grow. And what's next on the slate? Do you have a bunch of things in development now that you're coming to the end with this, you're ready to take out, or are you going to focus on selling this? <laughs> um, I think I, def- I definitely need to focus on trying to, on trying to sell this. Um, you know, like we'll see what happens with the next festival in terms of where it goes to next. Like, you know, it's up, up in the air in terms of will it get in or not? Because you can't, I've made that mistake in the past where you make an assumption that, oh, yeah, we'll definitely get in. And then you don't. And you're kind of like, what the hell? And I've realized but that it's your festival. It's to keep submitting as well. Like, and, and, right? yeah. and that's it. There's a strategy to these yeah. things. That. Well, that's, that's definitely something I've learned after my short film Animal. Like I spent a grand on submissions for Animal and it got into three festivals. <laughs> Jeez. If to not made it short and it got into three festivals. But that's that's okay. That's that's the way it works. And that's what took me a while to get around to that point, you know, because I was angry for a good while after that. Um, but then you kind of realize, well, hang on a second, what have I got to be angry for? You know? Um, no one asked me to make a short film. Like, put it this way. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, if you look, if you if yeah. you if you see the finished version of Gateway and you don't like it. You're entitled to that. You know what I mean? It's like if people come out of the cinema at Indy Cork and they don't like the film, they're entitled to it. I didn't, no one asked me to make it. I chose, I chose to do this. I chose to make a movie. And for all its challenges and for all the things that were hard, I chose to do it. So it's not, I know everyone's entitled to their, to what they have to say about it. And the, the toughness of the journey at the end of the day lies with me. You know what I mean? It's not on anybody else. And kind of like, I'm, how to put it i'm happy that i made that decision you know um so selling it yeah so i go back to your point i came around about we must come back <laughs> to budget. that was very interesting uh detour, detour i know yeah uh, you, Good I, points, I, like... but it's but it's true i mean like i a lot of filmmakers talk about how hard it is and i i take i take what they're saying 100 percent. i know it's hard but you got to remember no one asked you to so when you make a decision to do something, you're it's you're ultimately the driving force, and it's going to be hard. Like I remember, uh, Paddy Slattery was interviewed about Broken Law, and he talked about the lonely place where of making a feature film, and they knew exactly what he was getting at. And he was what he did was very similar to Gateway. Like he just did it. He went away and he did it. And there is a very lonely place. Like for about a good year to year and a half after we'd finished filming, it's just me in the movie. There's nobody there next to you going, keep going, keep going. And you kind of feel like, oh, I wish people were encouraging me. But then you're like, well, no, I chose to do this. I, I'm the one who said, here, everybody come here. I'm going to make a movie and you're all going to be in it. And they're like, great. That sounds great now. And do you sort of feel a little bit like you owe the people, like is that sort of a motivator then to, yeah. to, to be like, oh, I have to keep, you know, like those, that kind of dark night of the soul where you're like, why did I do this? I know, like, yeah. All these people invested their time. I have to get 100%. them across the line. A hundred percent. I have a responsibility to everybody who gave me their time. Their time, their time may have been free in the sense of I didn't pay them at the time, but their time is not free. And I have the utmost respect for the cast and crew. And I, of course, I owe them because if it never makes anything, I still have to do everything I can to make sure it's the best film it can be. Because that's the, my onus of responsibility is for what they've given me. And that's, can't be forgotten i've seen it happen in the past where 
folks will make a movie and ask people to work in it and it never sees the light of day or it's absolutely terrible and they make bad decisions. And you're like, you've completely forgotten about the people who helped you get there. You know, the cast and crew who did it for nothing. Um, and you, yeah, no, that, that's a massive motivator. You know, that and also self-belief, just, you know, you marry the two together. You have these folks who've given you your, their, their time and you owe it to them to do your best. And then yourself, it's like, I know I can do this. So I just got to keep going, you know, and I chose to start this journey. No one pushed me into it and said, make a movie, Niall. And then they ran off and left me there. <laughs> you know, you just, you, you kind of, you, how to put it? You just get on with it. You remember the fact that you chose to do it and then do everything you can to get it done. You know, uh, I'm glad you actually brought up that point about the cast and crew because it is something that that one angers me a lot of times is when people forget about folks who give their time uh, and their skill, you know, and you kind of, yeah, making them proud of the screening would be, that's the most important thing to me. Be honest with you. the audience enjoying it for sure but the cast and google crew saying thank you and being happy to have it on their resumes you know yeah and that's really nice like to, to picture you you know all vaccinated having an old glass of wine I after so. the screening you know I like it's, so. it's it seems to be like a very fortuitous time for for it to be released for it to get to open up because again like people are just so excited to be back in the cinema yeah yeah i i think um you know, it's it'll be hopefully a good opportunity for everyone to get just to get together and see see each other and be able to talk safely um, about you know about the movie and have and have a laugh and then or then watch it and come out hopefully feeling proud of what 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 they've seen um, and I, yeah I can't wait like I'm look I'm, I'm nervous um, and I at times I sit there and I go I don't want to watch this again you know I'm bored I'm not, well I'm not bored but. I kind of I'm I'm I, I forget to see it as the audience will see it they'll see it for the first time ever I'm seeing it here editing and I'm like I've, this is the 50th time I've watched it and I'm kind of like this is are people going to look at this and go this is really boring this is there's nothing happening uh, and that's possible you know I it's not a gore fest it, there's no jump scares it's it's a movie about tension and atmosphere and creating hopefully a sense of dread and leaving people with questions, the right questions as opposed to the wrong questions. Um, and yeah, taking them on a journey into a kind of a weird place for a while. And I hope, you know, I hope people enjoy it. Um, but I'm, I'm they, sure they will. Um, you asked about budget. Uh, yeah, what you, so what, what was the budget? <laughs> so the, the budget, the initial shooting budget would have been um, in or around 12,000. So that would have been my money. Um, wow my yeah. dad's my uncle's um my dad my uncle's and timmy's dad um mick creed um so that would have been the initial shooting budget 12 grand um now subsequent to that with pickups and other you know a cast i i got i was lucky enough to get john walters um who edited black 47 did a he did a few weeks work in it um which really gave a great structure and and that was a huge help um and what, what else was I going to say? I was going to say something else. What point was it? We were saying it was 12 grand for the initial yes. shoot, but then there was pickups and posts. Yeah. So the, yeah, pickups, you know, you know, you're always talking a couple of grand because cost of food and then hiring gear. Editing, John was able to do a bit of work. There's a bit of this cost in that, of course. Um, then what else was there? Oh, crikey. Equipment. Like we spent a bunch, like basically like the, 
the, the total, I would imagine, in a room when it's done will be about 30. That's amazing, though. In a room. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah, you know, we, like I said, I caught my cloth to measure. We made decisions um, really early on that we kind of were Just big help in that. But yeah, I mean, like, for 30 grand. Now, you see, the thing is, what, what's important to remember is that, again, a lot of the folks, the core cast and core crew weren't paid. No, I pay obviously fuel expenses and food and everything. Um, but like if you were paying everybody, then that goes north of 200. Do you know what I mean? 200,000. So the only reason this was able to get done is because the likes of Stephanie Cavan and Niall Craven, um, um, Timmy Cree, Kevin Barry, Finbar Stanton, uh, Lawrence Williams, Fiona Hardy, Ian Debris, Joe Lyons, they all gave their time for nothing. You know, they all said, look, we'll do this. We want to do it, obviously. Like, now I wanted to do a feature. Stephanie wanted to do a feature as a as a as a designer. Now I want to do a feature as a sound sound um, main sound recordist. And then obviously for the actors' point of view, they wanted to do you know they wanted to play the parts. But I wouldn't have been able to do it without them, you know, and their willingness to give me their time. Um, and essentially, like in in a lot of cases, some of them took time off work, so they were already spending their own money because they weren't working, you know. Um, so yeah, that was probably the only reason I could get it done because it's got a big cast, like a cast of about 22 and then um, a crew of about 10 or 12, you know, uh, and then a great, I had some great trainees from St. John's. I got to mention the lads, um, King Casey, Stuart McGrainer, Aaron Tanzan, Bradstock and Benjamin Walsh. I mean, those guys came in and they mucked in and they were brilliant. You know, they just wanted to learn and they, they, you know, they made life easier, you know? So, you know, Great people. I was blessed. I'll be honest with you. Like I kind of, I think one of the things that I remember most fondly is just being blessed with such amazing people. All of them: Rosie O'Regan, George Hanover, uh, uh, Maria Debris, Lucius Debris, Ian Debris. They were just all such amazing people, and they gave their time um, for nothing. And that's how you make a feature for twelve grand. You try and make sure you have a really, hopefully, really good story, and then a really good plan how to do it, because we. We, I made those tonal decisions from the outset, static shots for the real world, um, handheld, um, one to two takes max. And I think some scenes were just one, like it was a, that question of who's this scene about, and then just shoot them and have everyone else dressed in on the periphery because the scene is about them. So we shouldn't be cutting to those faces anyway. And making decisions like that, um, the set design or the production design, again, minimalist, the performances, minimalist, the camera work, minimalist, the score, minimalist, everything is kind of minimal, which then kind of lends itself to the bigger moments, you know, because if, like we're talking, if I suddenly shouted, it's going to jump out all the more right now, if I suddenly screamed, because it's all been so, but if I've been shouting the whole time, it wouldn't make any difference, you'd be like, all right, you just shouted again. <laughs> That's it, but anyway, you did a fantastic job, like that is so impressive. Did you enjoy it? I really did enjoy it. Are you it. sure? I, 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 I never did. I never believe anybody. No, I'm not <laughs> no. sure. I have no reason to lie. I'd be like, I'd be like. I know, yeah. It's like when someone gives you a compliment. That's, I really enjoyed that. And you're, you're, in your head, you're like, no, you didn't. You hated it. You're just being nice. <laughs> no, no. I, I thought like, no, I really loved, I loved, especially the dynamics of the lads. I, I thought like it was beautiful. Like it was shot so well. And that's it. The tension, the tension carries it through. And Again, like it's just something that it like I think it's a nice bit of escapism. It's also nice to see something set in that world in Cork, 
Do you know, mm-hmm. you just don't see it as often. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm from Cork. Like that's I know, I know. Sure, yeah, yeah. From my family. Like, no reason not to like it. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it represents so Nile. I know. Yeah. No, no, I really enjoyed it. I'm delighted. No. Yeah. So I'm promise. <laughs> so, so I'm sure you'll have like an, an a kind of in, like a a good audience there that will. Yeah, I think. Look, I really and I think it'll it. really suit the cinema actually, because because the sound mix yeah, is so I, so visceral. I think I that think will. I'm hoping that will jump out because the thing is like, I never I don't want there'll be no music on it so like I never wanted conventional music so my hope is that um that we can like it's with Tony Tony Langlois who composed the score it's an unconventional score it's organic and you can hear it a lot of the time is to have that kind of like undulating throughout at different points and then we augmented then by adding some extra bits for this, the moments that are meant to jump out at you yeah. um but yeah I'm hoping that it'll be a very kind of uh not so much claustrophobic, but an all-encompassing vibe in the cinema. That's what I'm hoping. That's it. But anyway, you did a fantastic job. Like that is so impressive. But listen, thank you for your time, and thank you for so taking much, the time. Thanks so much, Nile. It was just it was lovely Pleasure. to catch up again.